Welcome back to Nocturnal Journal. I'm Dave Hoekstra, and we're in the studio. I'm really excited about this. Uh, Larry Marion, director and curator of the Bob Bonus Archive. Um, we touched on this, I think it was last week, right, Ro, when we had the, uh, the chess people in. But I went and saw this exhibit that opened the 5th, right? Yep. At, uh, it's called this. The Rolling Stones at Chess. It's at the Blues Heaven Foundation slash um, Chess Studios 2120, South Michigan. We heard a little 2120, the Stones doing that. There. And it's 55 photos from chess from the first session that the Stones did there, and then five from the Palmer House. So, Larry, pick up the story. How'd you get these photos? Okay. Um, my background is in rock and roll and entertainment memorabilia, and I was running an auction house in New York City and dealing with acquisitions, and a gentleman called and said, I have some memorabilia I'd like you to appraise and maybe sell for me. I saw you set all kinds of world record prices for Beatles memorabilia. And I said, sure, tell me about it. And he said, well, my dad was both the Beatles and the Rolling Stones U.S. tour manager from 1964 through 1966. And this was Bob's son? This was Bob's son, Alex. Dad, Bob passed away in 92. Bob passed away in okay. 92, correct. And so, Okay, so who was Bob? Bob was, he started his career as a booking agent um, and, then, and, and then opened his own management agency, Bob Bonus Management. And he started out uh, managing jazz acts because that, that was really his thing. And in New York in the late 50s, early 60s, all the jazz clubs were pretty much run by mobsters. Mm -hmm. And Bob, six foot two, 200 pounds, got a reputation for standing up to anybody. So when the Stones were ready to come to America, the agency that was booking them, General Artists uh, uh, Corporation, a uh, gentleman named Norman Weiss was the agent responsible, and the Rolling Stones had worked really hard to have a terrible reputation, and it preceded them before they came here, and Norman was like, who am I going to get to, to play tour manager? And he immediately thought of Bob, and uh, convinced Bob to take the job. Bob met them and thought they were delightful and wonderful and easy to work with, and Bob got them pretty much everywhere they needed to go on time, which was unheard of back in England. <laughs> and they had a reporter from Melody Maker, a British uh, weekly paper, yeah. um, on them on the, with them on that first tour. And word spread that Bob got them you know, to the Mike Douglas show at 7 o'clock in the morning without a problem. So when the Beatles were ready to do their first real tour, um, they asked Stone's management who should we get as... Uh, tour manager and they gave Bob a hearty recommendation so he ended up being tour manager for both the Beatles and the Rolling Stones so um this was the the they first visited chess in June 10th June these, June 10th 10, 1964. 1964 correct um they weren't as well known as the Beatles right no, I, I talked to the Palmer House a couple of weeks ago, right. and they, you know, they were really—they had no photos. I guess the only photos are the ones you have. Yeah. Um, so talk about them being under the radar in '64, coming to the well. States. Unlike the Beatles, um, you know, Brian Epstein wouldn't bring the Beatles to America until they had a number one hit. Uh -huh. um, Andrew Oldham, the Rolling Stones manager, was a uh, a little bit more reckless and prog and progressive and aggressive about it. And they came to America June 1st, 1964, just two weeks after their first album had come out. And to most of America, no one knew who they were. Um, New York, Los Angeles knew who they were, and those shows sold out. 
you know, two shows at Carnegie Hall, show at uh, Swing Auditorium in San Bernardino, sold right out. But almost the entire rest of America had no idea who they were. So they would play in like 1,500 seaters and two or 300 people would show up. Uh, their second and third shows in America were at the uh, Teen Fair of Texas yeah, right. in San Antonio, um, where they shared the bill with a couple of you know good country stars, uh, George Jones, uh, Bobby V's band, which included Bobby Keys. Yeah, that's, that's where a great, they. That's, a great, that's exactly where they the met him. Is that the first time they met Keys? That's where they met. Well, of course, went on to. Yeah, that's where they met him, and he went on to yeah. play on every album yeah. until he, he became passed a good away. friend of Keith Richards. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, well, Texas didn't receive them very well. You know, they were called names and harassed as you know, long hair, dirty, all that, all that stuff from that era. Um, and they were kind of depressed. And Andrew Oldham again said, "You know, I can't have my band going on tour. You know, being upset." So, what would excite them? Recording at Chess. But uh, Chess at the time only allowed. Uh, people who were on Chess Records to record there. Mm -hmm. So uh, Andrew, Andrew Oldham reached out to uh, Phil Spector yeah. and said, can you help me? And Phil arranged the booking. So they flew from San Antonio up to Chicago. And the exhibit has, I mean, I, I did walk through it. You've got the original brand. I wrote here, Braniff Airline tickets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So amongst Bob's paperwork from his files and things that we held on to uh, were the original tickets for their flight from San Antonio up to up to Chicago, it's interesting when you when, when you try to research this stuff. It says they came in through Dallas, but it's not the case. I have the you know yeah the plane tickets are actually there. Um, the pictures, I mean, they just um, some just stick out in my mind. Talk about and this is radio, so people have to go see the exhibit. But the ones of the Palmer House of Jagger, you were telling me he was watching. Was it the Red Skelton Hour? There's two. There's two shots. There's, yeah, exactly. He's watching it. There's one pretending like he's asleep. It's just you know, it's it's it's. I like the humanity and and just the, the that's really a remarkable and, yeah, photo. Right. Yeah, yeah. Talk a little about so, that. And so they they actually recorded a chess on three separate occasions: June 10th and 11th. Then they came back in November and recorded there again sure, on right. November 8th. Uh -huh. um, but they used Chicago kind of as a hub to play all of the local Ohio, Detroit, all of the cities that they played around here. But they stayed at the Palmer House on that second tour in November. Um, just before they had come to America, they filmed a segment for the Red Skelton Hour, a variety show like the Ed Sullivan Show. Uh, but when it first, first aired in America, um, they weren't able to see it because it only aired in America. But it just so turns out that uh, on November 10th, while they were at the Palmer House, the Red Skelton Hour was rebroadcast. And Bob was there in the hotel room when Mick is laying on this couch with an issue of Harper's Magazine yeah, sitting next it. to him um, and gets to watch the Rolling Stones perform, which was filmed at the London Palladium, the stairs of the London Palladium. How much research? Uh, we played 2120 there at the beginning, and, we, and you made the deduction. That since that one picture, we're going to run this picture on the Nocturnal Journal Facebook page, which I don't plug enough. But uh, since Jagger wasn't in that picture, you figured that was the 2120 yeah. being an instrumental. There, there are several pictures that Bob took from the control room looking out into the studio as they're actually recording. And this one picture in particular shows the entire band performing 
they recorded live. That's that's how they recorded at the time, uh-huh. and and Mix not singing in this particular one, so I'm deducing that that's when they were recording 2120 South Michigan Avenue, the instrumental that they recorded that day and named after the after the address. Is there camp aware? Is there camp aware of this? I mean, are the Stones aware of this? Is there are their management aware of these photos? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, in, Have they seen them? Uh, they haven't seen most of the ones that are on display here. Uh-huh. Um, I put out a book called The Lost Rolling Stones Photos, the Bob Bonus Archive, 1964 to 1966, uh, from HarperCollins several years back. And there's uh, 15 or 20 of the photos from the chess sessions mixed throughout that book in various different sessions. Um, but for this, because uh, because uh, June, t- June 10th is the 55th anniversary, we prepared all the rest of the photos. So there's 55 photos of them from chess, and most of them have never been seen by anyone. Have you shown them anywhere else? Is it, no, this like, is the world premiere exhibit is, of them. And give me, do you know what, what are the hours? I don't even have that. The hours that people can go to chess and see them? Or what? Give me a website where uh, BluesHeavenFoundation.com dot com. Yeah, yeah. Is, uh, is is their website, um, and they're generally open uh, Tuesday through Saturday. I th- believe from noon to four or noon to right, five. That's about right. And um, they do hourly guided tours. That's true. And part of the tour is you get to see the exhibit. It really is great. I mean, I, I took all those notes. I like the itinerary. We were looking at that itinerary. It was a tour itinerary, right, of August thirteenth. Yeah. Yeah, there's and, actually three different. Oh no, that was the the uh, Frank Fried, who I knew. He did a little festival, a second annual Summer of Stars, Chicago '66, and it was a list of these different concerts, right? Yeah. Right. So I brought along a bunch of memorabilia. Yeah, you had Bill Cosby and Chad Mitchell, mm-hmm. Staple Singers Folk Festival on July 13th. Yeah, you know, folk back then. Exactly. You know? uh, uh, an appearance by the Beatles and an appearance by the Rolling Stones on that particular handbill. <laughs> It's 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 really now you're selling some stuff. Talk about the commemorative posters, which are really really handsome, and a proceed a portion of the proceeds of these sales. And talk about how they're cut and stuff benefit the foundation's goal of restoring the chess facility to a working so, recording studio. Right. So one of the big purposes of this exhibition is to raise fu- raise funds for the Blues Heaven for Willie Dixon's Blues Heaven Foundation to restore the facility into a working studio. Which is so important. Uh, so w- w- what I did was I took uh, an image of the original Rolling Stones 1964 tour poster and redid it in that, in that style um, to create the exhibition poster. And it's printed uh, by a letterpress printer in Muncie, Indiana, Tribune sh- uh, show, show poster. Oh, right, right, in the neighborhood. Yeah. Muncie, yeah. And uh, they're one of two or three letterpress uh, printing houses still surviving in America, um, and they did a, a wonderful, wonderful job of printing this. Um, it's a it's a, a it's small limited, limited run, right, right. Um, and the posters are for sale at Blues Heaven Foundation, and also at a website that we set up, BobBonusChess.com, and Bonus is B-O-N-I-S. I highly recommend those. Very, very nice. Okay, we're going to take back, uh, take a break, and I want to get a little bit you know, into more of your background and talk a little bit more about the sessions. This is great stuff. Thank you. So don't go away on Nocturnal Journal on WGN. Because I used to love the-
used to just play that stuff all night, right, Ro? <laughs> just kick back. It's great stuff. Larry Marion, uh, director and curator of the Bob Bonus Archive. It's a wonderful, wonderful exhibit. you got to go see it. It opened June June 5th, and it's the Rolling Stones at Chess at the, at the Blues Heaven Foundation. 55 photos from them. their first coming to Chicago in, uh, of that Chess, and five from the Palmer House. But tell me about when they recorded that song. That was in the first round, right? That was in, in the first round, yeah, on June 10th. They re- they did sessions on the both the 10th and the 11th and recorded quite a number of songs. Um, but that song, um, Murray, it's all Murray over the, the K now. told them. Murray the K turned yeah, them on. It was the Valentino's version. Exactly. Yeah. Um, they had uh, visited Murray the K on WINS in New York, and Murray pulled uh, Andrew Oldham aside and said, they should record this. This song's going to be a big hit. And when they came to chess just about a, a week and a half later, that was one of the songs that they cut, and it became their first UK number one. Yeah, yeah. Great Bobby Womack song. Great Bobby Womack song. I was telling you during the break, I interviewed Womack a couple times, and he, he was a very cantankerous guy. And some of the stories I read was that he didn't want the Stones to record it, mm-hmm. but uh, Sam Cooke told, yeah. told him. That's what I've heard. Green light it, yeah. green light it and stuff. Um, what was it like for you the first time you, you came into the studio? And again, you know, I mean, there's myths about when the Stones came in there, Muddy was, and we've had Marshall Chess on the show. Right. And, you know, Muddy was painting the ceiling and stuff. But what was it like for you just emotionally to walk in there for the very first time? You said the very first time was a couple of weeks ago? Yeah. So I've how, been to Chicago before. Yeah. How did that feel for you? Because uh, it's, it's, it's kind of well-preserved there. It's, inc- it's an incredible experience. Yeah. Um, you feel it as you feel the presence of of the history as soon as you walk in and when you go upstairs to the studio they give a wonderful guided tour mm-hmm. um and towards the end of the tour they take you up into the studio and you sit in these chairs while they play pieces of recordings of some of the classics that were recorded there unbelievable and it sends chills up and down your yeah, spine yeah it's highly it's really unbelievable um, in his biography, you know, Keith Richards called called Chess hallowed ground and a, the is. perfect recording studio. Yeah, it they is. did that stuff with the echoes, and it was just really, really. Yeah, the gentleman who d- who designed it, I can't recall his was name. Ron? Right now. Was it Ron? Was it Ron No, he was, the, he was engineer, the engineer. Yeah, and it was it, it was really really special for them because the studios in the UK where they had recorded couldn't really capture the sound that they that they produced when they were on stage, and they went to Chess and they told Ron what they were looking for, and he instantly got it. And they were just in awe of how spectacular their sound was. All of a sudden, the sound they had been trying to capture on record, Ron was able to capture. This was, um, for the listeners who don't know, talk about this. This was a big deal for them. I mean, it's the story about them meeting and carrying around chess records in London and stuff. Talk about how how important for them to visit this hollow ground. Chess is the spark that possibly created the Rolling Stones. I don't know that there would be a Rolling Stones without chess. Um, Mick and Keith were childhood friends, grew up in the same town, went to school together, and kind of started to travel in different circles, even though they still lived close to each other. And then just by chance, I think the date was October 17th, 1961, they ran into each other on the Dartford train platform uh, while both heading to different schools that that they now went to. And... Keith had a guitar with him, and Keith was a up-and-coming guitar player learning his trade and a, a huge Chuck Berry fan. And Mick was standing there with two albums under his arm, and Keith said, uh, what are the, what's that? 
And Mick showed him, and he had a Muddy Waters album and a Chuck Berry album. And Keith said, wow, where did you get those? I've never seen those before. And Mick said, I mail-ordered them from Chess Records in Chicago. They weren't, because they weren't available in the UK at the time. And they got on the train together, and they chatted the whole way. And that conversation, that incident, that meeting, that chance meeting, led to them getting together and starting to play. And they formed uh, Little Boy Blue and the Blue Boys. Yeah. And then sometime later, when Brian Jones decided he was ready to form a band and put an ad in the Jazz Collector magazine, um, he got introduced to Mick and Keith, and they decided to, to to move forward and form the Rolling Stones. Do you have an aha photo? I mean, a photo that really that you really like or really made an impression on you or didn't know anything about, and you just wanted to... Uh, give me a couple of your favorite photos. Are they well, all like your kids? <laughs> there's, yeah, there's, there's just so many that, that just blow me away. But that particular one, of Mick laying on the couch watching yeah. them on watching them perform. It's actually a series of two photos. Yeah, right. Um, the first one, Mick is watching the TV, and it's a and it's a great you know '60s era television set that he's watching with the antennas. Yeah, it is. And all of the stones are on the screen in this particular photo, and Mick has just a priceless expression on his face. And then the second photo in the in the series, Mick is front and center. He's in, in, in fact, his face is the only thing on the screen, and Mick lays his head down as if he's like pretending to sleep. That's great. It's really it's really a precious. You moment. mentioned when I saw you the other day that um, you think maybe Charlie had a, a affinity a connection with Bob because they were both jazz fans. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, Charlie always loved jazz, and that was where Bob came from was from was from the jazz world. So when they first met, they, they were the first two to really bond. And Bob took Charlie around and introduced him to a, a whole mess of, uh, of Charlie's heroes at the time. What did you learn about Brian Jones? I mean, some of the stories I've read about Chess is he was he was such a blues guy. I mean, he was such a fan. Was he really all in on this? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I don't know I don't know much about his role with Chess. Absolutely. Brian, uh, Brian was the impetus for, yeah, for, right. this, for this whole thing. Brian was a, a, a blues aficionado. Um, Loved uh, Elmo James. In fact, he played under the name Elmo Lewis um, in, tri in tribute to him. Uh, Brian is considered to be the first slide guitar, first blues slide guitar player in the UK, um, and really, really drove them yeah. to be a blues band. Um, and they played in, you know, in ja they played in jazz clubs in in London at the time, in and around London. Um, and people didn't at first really know what to make of it, but. Uh, but the fans thought it's really catch on. The time is so right for this. Um, I mean, look at the success the Stones have had with these blues albums. Well, they put <laughs> out Blue and Lonesome, yeah, right. which was their, you know, their, their, their first real blues endeavor in a long time. Yeah. So, and, they, and that did well for them. And they said that they felt the presence of Brian Jones when they were in the studio recording that. Yeah, and then Wonderful this, record. this will this show will still be up when they're in town, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, the, 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 the 21st show, and the 25th. Right, the show runs through the 29th, and they're playing the 21st yeah. and the 25th. So it's it's a lot of stuff coming together for you. Yeah. What um, in a little bit of time uh, we have left? Um, how long have you been doing this overall? So my background, as I I think I said, was yeah. in rock and roll and entertainment memorabilia. Um, I was the kid that during when I went to a concert, I would find a moment to sneak away and see if I could pry that poster out of the lobby uh, lobby frame, yeah. or get a set list or a drumstick or something. And, uh, you know, I really had an, a, a love of both music and art. And for me, concert posters is kind of where those two things met. 
So I became uh, a fanatic, kind of obsessive uh, po- collector of concert posters. And we've got about two minutes, but um, uh, real quick, I mean, research. I mean, how do you verify fact fiction? It's uh, an archaeological dig, yeah, really. Right. Um, you know, some of this stuff is just like combing through thousands and thousands of photos to find something in the background um, that tells me what it is. You know, Bob wasn't a working photographer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he took the pictures because he had a, a love of photography and a, a Leica M- M3, the best camera you could have at the time, and just took it with him and took pictures because he had uh, this access that no one else in the world did. But because he wasn't a working photographer, he didn't leave any notes. So a couple of the contact sheets have like notes scribbled on the back of it. There's one from like RCA Studios in Los Angeles on the back of it. It says, get off my cloud. So I knew that. But most of the most of this was uh, months and even years of trying to figure things out. In fact, there's two photos that are up at that, that are up at Blues Heaven Foundation where uh, Ian Stewart is at a keyboard and there's a beautiful long-haired blonde woman oh, sitting yeah, on the bench next that. to him. And I still haven't been Nobody able to figure out who, who she is. So if you're listening tonight, beautiful long-haired woman. <laughs> That's right, absolutely. <laughs> get, a hold of, get a hold of it. Well, thank you so much. I can't uh, recommend this highly enough. It's the Rolling Stones at Chess in Chicago. It's at the Blues Heaven Foundation in association with the Bob Bonus Museum, yep. Miami, and Gallery Schuster, Berlin. And... Yep. Um, and that's at 2120, of course, South Michigan. Give me the website again. How people can... Bob Bonus Chess, B-O-B-B-O-N-I-S-C-H-E-S-S dot com. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks, thanks for coming. Dave, it was really good to see you the it. other day. And yep. uh, safe travels. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks a lot. We'll be back with some live music after this on WGN. <laughs>